want people passing by and seeing you pray. He says, enter into your closet. It's an interesting word here. Please do not think of closet. Please do not think of closet like you think of a closet at your house. This is more like saying a vault, a safe where you keep your most valuables. Houses in that days had two rooms. They had one large room where they would cook and sleep. And then they had another room that's where they put their valuables. It was where they stored, they stored their most valuable things. Was in a room, we would call it a safe, we would call it a vault. But in that day, they called it a closet. It's where you put your valuables. He said, when you pray, get in the room where the valuables are at. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father in secret, which seeth in secret. And your father that seeth in secret shall reward you openly. Now, I begin to look at those two words because if you'll remember with me for a moment, it's the, it's the hypocrites that also got a reward. The word there is reward. But it's also now God's people that get a reward. And I begin to look up the Greek words for reward in verse 5. And the Greek word for reward in verse 6. And I found them to be two, two totally separate words. It's not the same word in chapter at verse 5 as it is in 6. It is a different word. When he said to the hypocrites, you have your reward, it was if saying, you have a wage. You have a wage. You have wages. The more you pray, the more people think you're spiritual. This is your reward. The more hours you put in in prayer, the more people perceive you as being spiritual. Now, I'm just going to stop here. This is not part of my message, but I'm going to say this. A lot of people are too concerned with how much time you pray. And you need to be concerned that your prayers are in line with the will of God. Because you pray three hours a day. You, you, you could pray. Matter of fact, several years ago I had a specific time I was trying to pray. And I had a little clock. Now we got a cell phone. This is how long ago it was. I just had a clock. Now we got a cell phone. And I put, I put that time on that clock, wound it up. And when that time would be up, it rang a bell and I'd get up from prayer. I'd just be praying around and, and I'd just, boom, the, the, the thing would ring and I would get up from prayer. One day the Lord spoke to me when that buzzer went off. And the Lord simply said this, you don't talk to your wife this way. Can you imagine how our wives would feel if they wanted to talk? And we set an alarm clock down and wound it up and said, talk, baby, it's about to ring. Talk right now. I think when I walked off, I might feel that alarm clock in the back of my head right here. God said, you, you don't talk to your wife that way. Matter of fact, there's not another person you talk to that way. And you shouldn't talk to me that way. And so it is not tonight, if I could help you out, it's not the amount of time you pray that's important. It's are your prayers in line with the will of God? What you're praying, is it the will of God? And if you'll pray prayers that are in the will of God, did he, did he not end when he taught the lesson on prayer when they asked, teach us to pray? Did he not end the prayer by saying, and you say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. So we understand that when we pray the wrong way, we just get wages. That's all we get. We just get wages. The more we pray, the more people think we're spiritual. Whoopee. Man, isn't that a reward? The more we pray, man praises us. But the reward that is mentioned in verse 6 is like a compensation. It is like a benefit package. It is a total different word. It doesn't mean wages. It means a gift that is given. It means a reward. And this is where I begin to thread the needle of my sermon. It is like a reward that you have stumbled upon something that was lost. Something that was lost that someone loved with an unimaginable love. And they put a high reward. If you find this dog, if you find this thing, 
And it's a reward. If you have any information leading to the, to the information about a crime that was committed. And there's a large reward that's given. And when you look at what you know based on what the reward is, it's not an hourly wage. It's not an hourly wage. You're just driving by. And you see that small animal kind of wandering around in the street. And then you go down to the local market to get something to drink. And you see a sign with that dog's picture on it. And it says, if you find this dog, I'll give you a thousand dollar reward. Well, you don't go back to that and scoop that dog up and think, man, I sure work for this. You just simply found something that was lost that somebody loved with an unimaginable love. And so when I begin to think about the reward, the reward of praying, what is the reward? What is the reward of praying? Listen to me tonight. The purpose of the church is to win lost souls to Jesus. That's the purpose of the church. Listen, we are going to burn ourselves out if coming to church is all about a chill bump and is all about making me feel good. I have been saved. I have been born again. And I am still here on this earth for one reason and one reason alone. And that is to reach, teach, witness to lost and dying souls. The purpose of the church is to win lost souls to Jesus. Brother Williamson, the purpose of our fellowship, the ALJC, is to aid, help, Others to win the lost. If an organization is put together for any other reason, God will pass it by. We don't seek after titles for the sake of having titles. Because all you get when you're a title seeker is somebody thinks you're important. But you got to win some souls to God. And if you'll win some souls to God, it's greater than having a title over your name. I thank God, Brother Wade, I thank God for every title. I thank God for every title that I have. But I didn't seek after those titles because my seeking is to seek and to save that which is lost. That's the rewards of prayer. The rewards of prayer. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, what would you like for us to call you? I said, my favorite thing I love to be called, my favorite thing I love to be called is brother. That's my favorite title I love, I love to be called. There's no, greater, there's no greater thing to be called brother. Isn't that a wonderful thing? We're a part of the family. We're a part of the family of God. Our purpose, why? Because I got news for you. It's how God views those lost souls. How God views those lost souls. Malachi 3.17, listen to this. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. In that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Can I tell you something? When God looks down upon humanity, he sees jewels. He sees diamonds, rubies, riches. When God looks down on the masses of humanity that cannot tell their left hand from their right hand. When God looks down upon people that are, that are, that are drug ridden. When God looks down on the filth of uh, uh, perversion today. Can I tell you, man may turn their back. Man may say, I'll have nothing to do. But there's a God that says, do you see my jewels? Do, do you see my valuables down there? Why, if somebody would spend some time in prayer, if somebody would get in a prayer room, instead about praying about a job and praying about a new house and praying about this, all that stuff will be added to you. But if you can get in a prayer room and begin to say, God, I work with Joe. Joe is an addict. God, I work with Mary. Mary is perverted. But God, if you would send the angels by, the angels begin. And all of a sudden we see Joe show up at church. Somebody, somebody, come on now. We see Joe come into church. You don't ever have to ask, what's Joe doing here? I know what Joe's doing here. I know what Mary's doing here because they are the rewards. I wish somebody shout right now. 
I wish somebody would shout yes. In the day, in the day that I, in the day that I make up, that I make up my jewels. Look at Psalms 135 and verse 4. Somebody said praise the Lord. Psalms 135 and verse 4. Look at this. For the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself and Israel for his peculiar treasure. That's an interesting verse because he mentions Jacob first. Jacob was a liar. Jacob was a deceiver. Jacob was a surplanter. He, 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 he was a man that, that schemed his way to the top. But God said, I want you to know I have chosen Jacob. Then he turns it around. He said, I chose Jacob and Israel for a peculiar treasure. Well, now God, Jacob became Israel. And God says, now you're getting it. Jacob became Israel. Do you know that all of us have a past? And all of us have a testimony. And we wasn't born with a Bible under our arm. And we wasn't born talking in tongues. Some of these preachers here that have suits on one time had a whiskey bottle in their hand. Some of you ladies here that's got a good dress on. Some time you didn't have that modest clothes on. But aren't you glad God chose Jacob? But he didn't just leave Jacob. He said, I'm going to make an Israel out of him. I see that man drunk in that bar room. I see that woman over there committing the immoral acts. And God said if somebody would just get a burden for them and take them into the prayer room, if somebody would just get a burden for them. Souls. I'm going to say it with me. Souls. He said, I, I, I've chosen, I, I, I've chosen Jacob, but, but uh, I, 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 I made I made Israel. I, 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 I made I, I made Israel. You see, we give what we cannot keep in order to keep what we cannot lose. I said we give what we cannot keep to keep what we cannot lose. You ain't going to keep your money and you ain't going to keep your time. Never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse yet. A wealthy man died. A multi-million heir died. Somebody at the funeral asked, how much did he leave? Somebody said, all of it. You're going to leave all of it. You're going to leave all your money behind. You're going to leave all your time behind because you can't keep it. Because death is going to come to you. No U-Hauls behind hearse. You're going as a tree falleth, there shall it lay. Naked you came into this world and naked you're going back out. But let me tell you what I can keep. If I can win a soul for God. If I can win my family to God. To me, to me there's no greater reward in heaven. As a matter of fact, I am not, I am not the originator of this statement. This statement was made, I think, back in the 1800s. A man preached in the 1800s. What's better than heaven and worse than hell? What can be better than heaven and worse than hell? Well, what could be better than heaven? Streets of gold, walls of jasper. <laughs> Is getting to heaven. And all of a sudden, here comes your wife. And all of a sudden, here comes your children. I, I couldn't imagine being around the throne of God, worshiping God. And all of a sudden, I hear a voice say, Daddy, Daddy. Hey, Nolan over here. I'm praising God over here. Over there's Fallon. Over there's Lauren. Over there's Zach. Over there's Mama. There couldn't be anything better than to go into heaven and having your family walk up around. You, you hear me tonight, Brother Cook, to walk your family up around the throne of God and begin to, you, you can't get any better than that. But not only that, oh, not only that, Brother Stein, but that co-worker that was drinking his Budweiser, that co-worker that had his nasty magazines in his lunchbox, I began to teach him a Bible study. I got him baptized in Jesus' name. And all of a sudden, here comes the co-worker up. And he says, man, I'm over here. I'm over here. What could be better than heaven but worse than hell? I'll tell you what could be worse than hell. The unimaginable pain of being in a lake of fire. A bottomless pit where you are forever free falling in agony. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. It'd be one thing the Bible said were there their worm. Not the worm. It's their worm. 
And that word there is not talking about a worm that comes out of the ground. It's talking about the worm of their memory. Their worm. It doesn't say the worm. It says their worm. Dieth not. You take your memory to hell with you. You take your memory to the lake of fire with you. Yes, the rich man who some have wanted to say, well, that's a parable. That was not a parable. Parables never mention a man's name. And the, 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 the story of that is that Lazarus went to heaven. He had a name. You say, well, the rich man doesn't have a name. That's right. If you're not redeemed, you don't have a name. He says to you, depart from me. I never knew you. But you take your memory to hell with you. You take every opportunity somebody told you to come down around the front. You take your rebellion toward the word of God. You take when the Holy Ghost was dealing with you on those services to surrender and get the bitterness and the rebellion out of your heart. You take all of that memory with you and it comes alive in hell. Why didn't I listen to my pastor? Why didn't I get a better spirit when he told me I didn't have the right spirit? Why didn't I listen to the man of God? Now that's bad enough. But can you imagine in hell and being in hell and all of a sudden your son walks up to you and says, Dad, why did you get mad at the preacher? Dad, why did you take me out of church when I was eight years old? Dad, why did you why didn't you keep on going to the house of God? Dad, you're the reason we're here. Can I tell you something tonight with the Holy Ghost in my voice? You better get every bad spirit out of your heart. You better get all the rebellion out of your heart. Because you not only, not only are you gonna take the memory when the Holy Ghost tonight says, Go to the altar. I want you to run. Don't you walk? I want you to run to this altar. We give what we cannot keep in order to keep what we cannot lose. We give what we cannot keep in order. In order. We we give what we cannot keep in order to keep what we cannot lose. Proverbs chapter 30. Stay with me for a few moments tonight if you would please. Proverbs chapter 11 verse number 30 says it this way. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. What the righteous produce is fruit. What the righteous produce is fruit. Fruit is something for someone to eat from. The righteous, verse 30. The righteous for the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. Watch the next statement. And he that winneth souls is wise. Behold, the righteous shall be recompensed in the earth. That means paid back much more the wicked and the sinner. In other words, our reward is not a wage. Our reward is not you think I'm spiritual and I think you're spiritual. Our reward is when God brings souls into our lives. When God brings lost souls into our lives. We gotta get outside the church. We have got, I thank God for our kids being raised in the church. They need salvation just like anyone else. But we can't stay in the church. We've got to introduce new families to the church. We've got to introduce new people to the church. It can't be a family run church. It's got to be a church that we're reaching out into the community. God give us souls out of these apartment buildings that are around here. God give us souls. I'm glad that Cook is a familiar name around here. I'm glad that Sisk is a familiar name around here. But God, give us some last names that are not familiar. Give us some last names, God, that are not familiar. I'm thankful, God. Come on, somebody help me tonight. Souls, souls, souls. Souls, souls. God, I thank God. I thank God that I got some grandkids at the church. I thank God that they can look up and say, that's my papa up there. I thank God that we got families. We, we got some families. As a matter of fact, I, 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 I married a little couple the other day. I married a little couple the other day. 
that I married their mom and dad. I, I, I married a couple, a little girl that I married her mom and dad years ago. As a matter of fact, we traced it back. We traced it back when I, when I went to Maribel 39 years ago. And I know I don't look past 39. But when I went to Maribel 39 years ago, that little girl's great, great, great grandmother was there. Very elderly was there. Born just around 1904 or 19-something. I got to see her. And, and, and I got to minister to her just for a short season uh, of time there. And now, now I married, I married this girl and this boy, and they got children. And I looked at those children at youth camp, at Strong Tower Camp. One of their girls were there, and I couldn't help but think, your great, great, great grandmother was baptized. If your great, great grandmother could walk in this place, it'd blow her mind. But there's one thing that wouldn't blow her mind is when I put that girl down in the name of Jesus Christ. That grandmother, that great, great, great grandmother would say, that's exactly how it's done. Now I thank God, I thank God for lineage in the apostolic church. But I want our churches in Kentucky to be, to be populated with people that are first generation apostolic. I, I, want, I want every first generation apostolic to know you're special. You're what we prayed for. When you get the Holy Ghost, somebody ought to punch somebody else and say, that's our reward right there. When somebody gets the Holy Ghost, you ought to say, that's my, that's my reward right there. That's my reward. Oh, oh let, me, let me go on. We are, we are paid. We're, we're, we're paid, Brother Williamson. We're paid. The organization is paid. You can't have a better payment than those men and women in those correctional centers coming to God. You, 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 can't, have, you can't have a better payment than those men. You can't, have a better, you can't have a better payment than men walking up with their prayer mats from another religion saying, I won't need this any longer because I'm going, I, I'm, I'm going to be baptized in Jesus' name. You don't have any... Matter of fact, in one of our correctional centers, in one of our correctional centers, they had baptism day. They had baptism day, Sister Williamson. And when they had baptism day, they let all the denominations that are coming into the prisons do the baptizing. They bring out the horse troughs and all the denominations, all, all the different denominations get to baptize. And so as, as an apostolic, one of our apostolic ministers was standing there, he had about, about 20 or so to baptize. The denominal preachers were there. And they wanted to be kind to our apostolic brother. And they had 30 or 40 to baptize. And, and they said, well, why don't you just go first? You just got a few to baptize. And, and, and that apostolic preacher, he said, oh, okay, I'll go, I'll go first. Y'all got more, more to baptize than I do. And he started baptizing them. And they started coming up at water, throwing water, talking in tongues. Start dancing out of the old horse truck. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. That brother baptized the last one. That last one come out shaking, talking in tongues. He got a towel, wiped his arms off, and turned to the nice phenomenal preachers that had let him go first. And they said, uh, well, well, uh, why don't you just baptize ours too? And he said, well, if I baptize yours, I got to baptize them the way I baptize mine. They said, we don't care. We'd like to see ours act like that. And so he started. I'm talking about the reward. I'm talking about the reward. Oh, there you go. There's a reward. I, I don't know who that young. That's a reward going. That's a reward going there. Oh, hallelujah. Brother Williamson, you're not able to run. But would you look at that? that that's you, Brother Williamson. That's you tonight. That's our reward. Oh, that's our reward. If a gray-headed, arthritis-ridden, apostolic person ought to be thanking God tonight, well, I can't run like that. I got a bad hip. You just ran around this building. That's our reward. I 
I hope I'm doing all right tonight. You may be seated. John is somewhere between 90, 90 to 95 years old. It's one of the reasons John uses when John writes his epistles. John uses, and some say, oh, listen to how affectionate John is. John uses the term, my little children. Well, bless God, when you're 95, everybody's a little child. All right? You can be 80 and they say, oh, they're just a pup. They're just a pup. They're just a pup. John affectionately uses the word, my little children. He's 95, somewhere between 90 to 95. But listen to a key phrase of 3 John chapter 1, verse number 4. I have, let me say it like he probably said it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Hey, you can brag about the education of your children. You can brag about their gated community they live in. You can brag about how much money your grandkids make. But there's no... It won't touch when your grandbabies are living for God. You've got to get them in the soul winning business. Now, now, Brother LeBannon, let me turn the corner on this sermon tonight. Let me turn, let me, let me turn, let me turn the corner on this sermon. I am fearful that serving God and coming to church has become all about my Sicknesses, burdens, and trials in life. And can I tell you something? All of us have them. You listen. You don't even know what you're talking about to look up here and say, man, that's Brother Carpenter from the, from the holy city, as Brother Wright said. That's Brother Carpenter. If you only knew. If you, if you only knew. If you only knew the hounds of hell that are relentless, you only knew. You only knew if you only knew. But we can't make church. God spoke this to me. He said, my people have made their trials about them and not about me. For I seek to get glory. Yea, even in the midst of the trials, I seek to get glory. But when the trial becomes all about us, God says, I stand back and take my hand. The trials of our life, you said it, Bishop, whether God heals me or not, I'm going to serve him. Whether God heals me or not, I'm going to serve him. Now, last, last Friday night at Indiana camp, all miracles are not, are not instant. We're waiting. And I'm going to tell you something. That, that has to do too. Sometimes God can't work miracles because we got too many strange spirits in the room. Jesus wouldn't even raise Jairus' daughter till he put everybody out. This is not spectating. This is not, God, if you'll, if you'll cause Brother Williamson to jump up, I'll believe you're God. God says, I don't do that. You ought to believe that I'm God because my word says that I'm God. And whether Brother Williamson jumps up or not, that, that doesn't mean I'm not God. But that's, on the other hand, we ought to pray for the healing of Brother Williamson. But all, but all healing, all healing, all healing is not instant. All healing is not instant. Last Friday night, I felt compelled at Indiana camp to, to call the preachers down, the pastors down. We're going to pray for the sick. A deaf woman came up, and they prayed over her. And several of those preachers said, we felt the witness of the Holy Ghost. But said, after, after we prayed for her, she still wasn't healed. But she went to an apostolic church on Sunday. Somebody got her to an apostolic church on Sunday. And they prayed again for her. And she wasn't healed. But later on in the day, and I got the text from them. Later on in the day, somebody called the pastor. And that woman said, something popped in my ear today. Something popped in my ear today. And I'm beginning to hear right now. Can I tell you? 
We're not going to come around here and tarry for somebody to be healed. We need to be caring for somebody to be saved. I don't know if it's God's will to heal your back or not, but I know it's God's will to save. I don't know if it's God's will for you to get your job back or not, but I know it's God's will to save. Maybe if we were caring more for salvation, we would see more healing. Come on, give him praise. If you're a soul winner in the house tonight. Several years ago, my son Nolan asked me, he said, Dad, he said, I'm feeling lad. He said, would you care? Would you care on Sunday night if we had an old-fashioned prayer line? And I'm going to tell you right off the bat, Sister Cook, I was so delighted that I have raised a son that wanted an old-fashioned prayer line. Dad, could we have an old-fashioned prayer line? I said, absolutely. He said, now, Dad, the next thing I'm going to tell you, he said, I, I believe God wants to heal Brother Kirby. Brother Kirby's legally blind. And he said, Dad, I just believe. He said, I'm, 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 I just believe when Brother Kirby comes through that prayer line that Brother Kirby's going to be healed. I said, no, let's have the prayer line. I said, you, you, you know, sometime or another, as we begin to shift and, 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 and you, remain, you, you still remain the pastor, but you, you understand that God can speak through other people. And so... God hadn't laid the prayer line on my heart. He, he didn't lay that on my heart. He laid it on my son's heart. Sunday night came along and Brother Kirby came through the prayer line. And Nolan prayed for Brother Kirby until he was drenched with sweat. He was, he was, I mean, Nolan was just drenched with sweat. After service, I could tell that Nolan was so disappointed. He said, Dad, I missed it tonight. I said, you didn't miss it tonight, son. I said, it's good that it's in your heart that you want to see God heal. David, it wasn't God's will for David to build the house, but the prophet said, it's good that it's in your heart. I said, David, it's, I said, Nolan, it's good. It's good that you, it's in your heart. He said, Dad, I just, I just knew it. He was crying. You know how you get when your kids start crying. Dad, I just knew it was God. I said, Nolan, it was good. It was in your heart. It was Sunday night. Wednesday night, Nolan's the drummer at our church. And Nolan, as his custom is, is running late. All right? <laughs> And it's bad enough to have to face the music leader, the minister of music. But when the, when the minister of music is your older sister, it just really combines the issue here. Right. He's running late. He don't even have his tie hooked around his neck yet. He gets in the church. He said, Dad, I opened the side door of the church and I walked in. He said, Brother Kirby was leaning against the desk, the daycare reception area. And Brother Kirby said, Nolan... And Nolan was thinking, Dad, I want to be rude to Brother Kirby, but I got to get in here. He said, Fallon, going to really get on to me. I'm always late. I got to get in. I said, hey, Brother Kirby, hey, Brother, hey, Brother. And he said, Brother Kirby said, Nolan, you mean you're going to get on that platform without your tie on? on. Nolan stopped. And he said, how do you know I don't have a tie on? He said, Monday morning I woke up and I got a fan over my bed. And he said, I could begin to see the fan turning over my bed. And he said, as the day went on, he said, my eyesight, can I tell you something tonight? God is still a healer. God is still a healer. But he's not only a healer, he's a savior. He's a savior. I don't care how many denominations in this city and in your city, they don't have what we got. We got the Holy Ghost, we got the fire, and we got to get out there and introduce them to the real. Whatever, whatever you're going through, there is most of the time there's a soul wherever you're going through something. There's a soul. Very quickly, very quickly, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little over time here to be this place in this message. But Acts chapter 16 and verse number 13, the history of the church. 
recorded by Luke, recording the travels of the Apostle Paul, the Apostles. And in verse number 16, chapter 16 of Acts, and verse 13, on the Sabbath day we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont. That means a custom. That means that their custom to praying was made. We sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. Can I tell you something? Whether it's starting a Christian school, starting an outreach, starting a men's ministry, starting any kind of ministry, it will never last if it's not built on prayer. If I'm going to go to that town and start a church, I'm waiting on a building. Won't you go park your car somewhere and start praying? Because God always starts a work on prayer. We don't have a church in, listen, we don't have a church in Philippi. Lord, I hope I'm not preaching too long tonight, but we don't have a church in Philippi. There's no apostolic church in Philippi. But Paul goes, he lives to plant churches. He lives to start churches. And he's not thinking about a building. He's thinking about people. A building is what houses the church. But we're not called to win a building. We're called to win souls. And it will win souls. The building will come. That's no, that's no problem. Lord, I have to keep the superintendent stuff out of this pulpit right now. But if I had my way in the organization, if I had my way, when a person goes to a town to start a church, if I had my way, there would be no rent paid on a building until they won souls. Till they won souls, there'd be no rent I'd pay on them. That, that's just personal. You know, I can't get it. I, I, I'd change it if I could, but you, you know, when you're pulling, when, you, when you're a part of a group, you just have to go along. Because I think some people become servant to a building. They go somewhere and put a sign up. Most of the time, they'll, they'll rent a building that's 250 years old. It takes $14 million to put heat and air in it. And they become servant to a building. And then people drive by that are disgruntled with the church across town because they don't like the way the preacher spends the money and they don't like how loud the sound is and they don't like this and that. And they see a new church sign and they walk on in because they felt that they've got the will of God here. And all of a sudden you just simply get a building filled with people that can't be pastored. And that's not why God told us to go to Philippi. He said, I want you to go to Philippi and I want you to build a church and start a church. And you know what he did? He went down to, I, I know it's quiet in here tonight. Y'all can be seated right now. Uh, more, than a, uh, more than a blinded eye story here. This is the gospel uh, reality here. All right. And, and he said, I'm going to go somewhere where there's prayer that's wrought to be made. And he got among some praying people that didn't know that didn't know the truth. He got among some praying people. They didn't know the truth. But when he got down there on the riverside, he began to pray. And as he began to pray, the Lord began to speak, began to move on a woman named Lydia, which worshiped God, who heard Paul preach the gospel. And Lydia said, I'm getting baptized, and I'm getting the Holy Ghost, and my children are getting baptized, and my children are getting the Holy Ghost. And she said, I want you to come into my house. And there's where the first church started in Philippi. It started in Lydia's house. And let me tell you this. I'm just all over the place tonight. Let me tell you this. I pray for the day that church gets out of church and church gets in our houses. We have, Listen, we need, we need the upper room to go all the way to the living room. We don't need just to be good people for a couple hours out of the week. We got to have the Holy Ghost inside of our homes. We got to win our neighbors. We got to go. We got to go. Pray. Pray. Paul, 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 what did you get out of that prayer meeting? Paul, what did you get out of that? What did you get out of that prayer meeting down there at, at, at the riverside? What did I get out of that prayer meeting? I got Sister Lydia. I got her children. That's what I got out of this prayer meeting. That's the rewards of this prayer meeting. I got Lydia. Look at Lydia. Lydia's got the Holy Ghost. Lydia's talking in tongues. Lydia's baptized in Jesus' name. I'm teaching Lydia home Bible study right now. She's becoming a worshiper of Jesus Christ right now. And then Paul didn't stop praying. Once you pray and win one soul, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. There's another soul out there. There's another reward out there. Thank God I got Lydia. But now go to Acts 16, 16. 
Lydia, Lydia is now got the Holy Ghost. But Paul said in Acts 16, 16, follow this now. It came to pass as we went to prayer. We can't stop praying, church. We can't stop praying. If one got the Holy Ghost last week, we got to pray for another one to get the Holy Ghost next week. If one got baptized, there's another. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't need, we don't need to stop praying. And it came to pass. As we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. This did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. When her master saw that the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and unto the rulers and brought them unto the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city, teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. It is right here that we begin to talk about our woes and our vexations. It is right here that we start talking about persecution from the community. It is right here that we want to put our thumb in our mouth and say the community is lying on us. The Bible said they drew them to the marketplace. The marketplace is the equivalent of social media. This godless culture, this church-hating culture wants to drag us into the social media and lie on us. But now... The church has an option. Do we put our thumb in our mouth and talk about how persecuted we are and how rough this is and how we're beat down and how we're bedraggled and how everybody hates us? I say no. You know why? You know why? You will never in a million years convince me of this. You will never convince me that Paul cast a demon out of that girl and walked away. Although it's not recorded. I don't believe he cast the devil out. And said see you later honey. I believe he stayed there brother Mason. I believe he told her about the Lord Jesus. I believe he baptized her in Jesus name. I believe she got the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because that's what it's all about. Prayer is about reaching the lost. Prayer is about reaching the lost. And when our prayer doesn't have the lost included, we're just spending idle time. We have got to win the lost soul. You'll never convince me Paul left that woman. Matter of fact, I think I got something to back it up. The church was started in the Acts chapter 16. The church of Philippi, which a book was written to that church, and that book is called the book of Philippians. And in Philippians chapter 4, you'll never convince me that Paul left that woman there. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 3. Paul said these words, Philippians 4 and 3. I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, and Clement also, and with other my fellow, fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. He mentions women at the book in the book of Philippians. And I believe that one of them unnamed women at one time had been a demon-possessed girl. We don't know. We don't know what went on in her mind. We don't know what abuse that kid faced. We don't know what put her in an atmosphere of demonic activity. But somewhere from a small child, demons spoke into her head. Somewhere from a small child, she wasn't raised in an apostolic home. She wasn't raised in an atmosphere of hero Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. She was raised in a home of perversion. She was raised in a home that opened its doors to demonic activity. 
and thus she becomes demon possessed. She hears voices. She hears voices. She opens her mouth and a different voice comes out. She, she, she begins to tell of, or, or, or pretend to tell of future events. She doesn't even know what happens. She convulses. This voice comes out and this voice tells about events that are going to happen. Men in the city heard of it. And men, and if you'll read it real closely, she was valuable to marketing. She was valuable. Not one man owned her. They owned stock in her. She was owned by several. No one man possessed enough money to own her solely. She made her masters much gain by saying. But when Paul came and Paul spoke to that devil on the inside of her, that devil had to come out of her. But he didn't just have a devil out of a girl. He said, now honey, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me take you to the water and baptize you. Let me get you filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And just like Paul went to Lydia's house, I believe Paul marched that girl right back into Lydia's house and said, we've just added one more. We've just added one more to the church. Listen to me tonight now. Now they find themselves. Now they find themselves. Musicians, would you come? And I just want a few more moments. I don't want you to play right now, but it's just going to make the congregation feel good if you'll come on up here right now. I'm going to go through the rest of the story real quick. They are beaten, and they're probably bent over with their hands chained to their feet. And the Bible said they have many stripes upon their backs. They have been beaten. And they told the jailer, these two, Paul and Silas, don't you dare let them escape. And the Bible said the jailer who having received such a charge thrust them. He didn't, he didn't, he, he didn't say here, down this hall here. That jailer thrust them, pushed them down into the inner prison, down deep into the dungeon, made their feet fast in the stocks, chained their hands. More than likely, as I've studied this out, More than likely, Brother Cook, they were almost bent over with their hands connected to their ankles. But when the trial is about you, all you can talk about is how wrong I was done and how nobody wants this. But when the trial is about winning souls, the Bible said at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God. I don't know. I don't know. Is it just me? Am am I just the most weird guy in the world? But sometimes I get in prayer. And I'm just praying, God, you know the pressure. God, you know what we're facing. God, you see what's on the horizon. And before I know it, oh, won't we have a time when we get over yonder? Won't we have a time when we get over yonder? Church, won't we have a time when we get over yonder? Oh, won't we have a time? Oh, Lord, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, God, you know what's going on. You know, God, what's going on. And oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how. supposed to be praying but sometimes prayer will birth a song and if you keep on reading the Bible said Paul and Silas prayed and the prisoners heard them you see this ain't about the whips on my back this ain't about the persecution I'm going through it's about Lydia it's about a demon possessed girl And it's about the prisoners. 
and the prisoners. Sister Lee, uh, Sister Lee, a few, uh, a couple of weeks ago on a Friday night, my wife and I just wanted to get away for a few few hours, and 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 we decided to take the grandkids to Pigeon Forge, and we put them in the car and took the grandkids to Pigeon Forge, and we just tried to get away and clear our heads, and we took the grandkids up to Pigeon Forge, and and going back that night, we got some phone calls, and 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 we had our grandkids in the back, and uh, at least five of them, we had them in the back of the seat of the car. And, we got a few disturbing phone calls and we were talking and we tried to keep our voices down kind of low with what we were talking about. And all of a sudden we're talking about it and my grandkids formed a little choir in the back seat and they started singing. If you only knew what I was going to be after the storm you would have even bothered me if you only knew what I was going to be after the storm, you would have even bothered me. But now I'm wiser. I got more power. A little bit stronger. Anointing. Favor. And all of a sudden, my wife and I are talking about the gloom of the world. And all of a sudden, we found ourselves saying, If you only knew what I was going to be after the storm, you would Hey, can I tell you something? If your church is going through chaos, you ought to form you a choir and say, if you just knew the souls that are going to get baptized, if you just knew the people that were going to get the Holy Come on, if you only knew. Oh, stand with me right now. singing they kind of kind of got more you know I want it all back I want it all back everything that you took from me I mean I got grandkids and grandsons in the back see I want it all back all that you took from me I want it all I want it all back give me my stuff back give me my stuff back give me my stuff back can I tell you something if you're in the prison right now if you get souls on your mind and begin to sing the praises of Jesus God's going to come down and you're going to feel a shaking God's going to shake your church up. God's going to shake your life up. But don't be afraid of the shaking because the next thing that's going to happen, the door's going to shake. But don't be afraid of the door shaking because the next thing that's going to happen, the bands on your hands are going to shake. Watch this now. Because I'm going to correct, in Jesus' name, a little, a little theology here. Oh, God sent an earthquake to get Paul and Silas out of prison. Wrong. 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 Did I say, I didn't say that sweet. I didn't say that, Brother Cook said. How would you say that, Brother Cook? It's Brother Cartman's version. Wrong. Brother Cook. Bible said the jailer having woke up from his sleep looked around saw the doors open knew the Roman penalty for an escaped prisoner a Roman penalty was they took your life metal jailer woke up out of his sleep and saw the doors open and he thought I'm going to go ahead and just commit suicide right now I'm going to throw this sword down lay on it right now and Paul cried out with a loud voice you see in order to win souls you got to love people that hate you I said, you got to love people that hate you. Folks, there's an anointing here in this house tonight. I said, you got to, you got to, you got to. You're, you're big this out. You know it's hard to hate somebody when you're praying for them. Oh, Jader's about to lay Oh, Jader's about to lay on his sword. Well, he's getting what he deserves, man. He, he kicked me in the backside putting me down here. 
He put them old shackles as tight as he could. He'd get them. What is no, 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 no. Paul cried with a loud voice. Sir, do yourself no harm. We're all here. The jailer called for a light. King sprang in and looked at Paul and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I need salvation. And Paul said, let's start at first base. Let's start, let's start right here. You've got to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's more than just a little mental ascent. That's committing your life to him. And the Bible said, the jailer washed his stripes. That's repentance. Took him the same hour of the night and baptized him. That's the remission of sins. And he began to rejoice. That's the Holy Ghost. But it don't stop there. The Bible said, and the jailer was baptized in all his house. The jailer went up and woke up Mr. Mrs. Jailer and said, honey, get up. We got to get baptized. And they woke up all. Am I right? The next morning, the magistrates sent a little clerk, court boy down to the prison. Because historians say that a massive earthquake at one time hit the city of Philippi and destroyed buildings. And said when they woke up that morning and the earthquake had hit, they being superstitious or religious said, we have offended one of the gods. There's a God that we have offended. And somebody said, you think it might have been that Jesus of Nazareth? You think it may be his two messengers that we've thrown down in the prison? One of the magistrates said, yes. Clerk boy, bring me a, bring me a court clerk boy in here. Bring me, a, bring me an errand boy in here. Somebody that, bring me somebody that runs the license plates to and fro the dealerships. Come on, bring, bring, bring me just a court boy here. Son, go down to the prison and tell the jailer to let Paul and Silas go. The court boy went down there, told the jailer, said the magistrate said to let Paul and Silas go. Jailer come down to Paul's cell and said, Paul, said you can go. Said they, they done sent for your release. And Paul said, what? They going to beat me openly and send me out a back alleyway out of this jail? Nothing doing. You tell them to come down here and get me out of here. They put me in here and they got to get me out. It wasn't the Holy Ghost that got them out of jail. It was the Holy Ghost prayer meeting that led to a soul winning revival. I wonder tonight, I wonder tonight how many of you people are standing here like, like your speaker tonight that you've got all kind of junk going on in your life right now but somewhere in the midst of that junk is a soul. Is a soul. I wonder, I wonder tonight, I, I, I know we want to shout right now but I wonder how many can join up around this altar with me right now just to pray for soul. There's a soul somewhere. There's a soul somewhere. There's a soul. If you come up around the altar, I want you to stand. And I want you to stand as close to the altar as you can. Because I, I believe in God we're going to pack this altar out tonight. I, I want you to, I, if you come up first, put your toes right close to the altar ledge there. We're going to get as close as we can here. You give me a little music over there, my, my, my brother. We're going to get as close as we can here. Because this service tonight, this service tonight is about souls. God, I want you to lay some soul upon my life tonight, God. Lord, I want to be a soul winner, God. I, I want to teach home Bible studies, God. Lord, I want to buy a home Bible study chart. I want to I wanna buy a one-hour Bible study. I, I, I want to I get out of my comfort zone. I, I, I want to win a soul to God. Come on, right now. Come on. You're feeling these altars good. Just stand right behind people tonight. Come on, Kentucky District. Come on, churches all over the state of Kentucky are here tonight. Oh God, souls, Lord, souls, Lord, souls, Lord, souls, Lord. Lord, you don't have to heal me, God. I just want to be a soul winner. God, you don't have to heal me. I just want to be a soul winner, God. God, I just want to be a soul winner, God. God, that Bible study that I've got going with Sonny right now. God, I want to win Sonny to you, Lord. Sunny to you right now. Come on, don't, don't, don't pray for your current situation. The reward of prayer is going to be souls tonight. Oh, God. Oh, 
church, lift up your voice. I want to win souls. I'll buy a home Bible study chart. I'll buy a one-hour prayer. I'll buy a one-hour Bible study. I'll sit down and I'll, 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 I'll teach it. I'll, I'll read about it. Oh, I'll read about it. I'll read about it. I'll teach it tonight. Thank you for coming around the altar. 